1959, John Murray, a Scottish systematic theologian at Westminster Theological Seminary, published the first volume of his commentary on the Book of Romans, one that John Piper would later call the most beautiful commentary ever written. In the more than 60 years since it first appeared, Murray's commentary has changed the way scores of pastors and teachers read and teach the Bible, helping to draw many readers and congregations into deeper communion with their Savior. Now, Westminster Seminary Press has reprinted John Murray's commentary on Romans in a beautiful new hardcover edition updated with a new introduction by Sinclair Ferguson. I'm your host, John Curry, professor of pastoral theology at Westminster. In this podcast, we'll revisit the classic commentary with some of the pastors and teachers it has influenced the most. Along the way, we'll explore how Paul's letter to the Romans and John Murray's commentary on that letter help us to understand, teach, and preach Romans in the present day. I hope you'll join me as we explore together the Epistle to the Romans. Scott, I'm going to toss a question to you, but invite everybody to weigh in on it. And it has to do with Romans chapter 6. So Romans chapter 6, uh, we're going to talk in another episode in detail about union with Christ. But union with Christ shows up significantly in Romans 6 and, and how Murray treats it. And he talks about definitive sanctification. So what does Murray mean by definitive sanctification? Um, what is he writing against? Uh, what, is, what are the, uh, the, the opposing problems, as it were? Uh, why is what Murray does in Roman, with Romans 6 important? Yeah, uh, great question and huge question. One, one of the things I learned around here as a student that was new to me, and thankfully we still continue to teach that, is the, the importance of union with Christ and in, in thinking about our identity. Um, and this translates so easily and almost immediately into the pulpit and into yeah. the pews. And what Murray's trying to help, I have this note, he says, if the mediation of Christ is always in the forefront in justification, it is likewise in sanctification. Mm -hmm. And part of what he's wanting us to recognize as Paul writes in Romans 6 about sanctification is that there is a definitive point at which the Christian is already sanctified by virtue of that spirit-wrought union. Um, it, it's, it's not a process that we are uh, justified and then, oh, by the way, later we're going to be sanctified and then after that, such and such. So he, what he's trying to help us understand is that all of the benefits of Christ accrue to the Christian by virtue of that union and then he's going to go on to say, yes, there is a progressive element. Of course there is. We're commanded to be holy because God is holy. And so, but we don't, we're not commanded to be holy as those who are holy, unholy. I think that's the point that Murray's trying to make is that we have a status and a position because that is a once for all definitive position because of the once for all death and resurrection of Christ. That puts sanctification squarely within the context of the history of redemption, especially of the history of Christ's own life. And, and so I think the reason it's important for, for, for Murray is because it's important for, the, for Paul. And the reason it's important for Paul is because Paul wants these Christians to recognize that their sanctification is as real in them as is their justification, which is as real 
as is the death and resurrection of Christ. And so that, that the process of Paul's thinking in Romans 6, which Murray just has a wonderful way of tapping into, is, is to me nothing short of life-changing once you get your mind around it, once you begin to understand. So, you know, Owen was good on this as well. So Murray didn't invent this idea, but he's coming at it from the actual text of Romans in such a way that he inextricably links it with the once-for-allness of Christ's own work. And if that's once-for-all, our sanctification is once-for-all, definitively, and then progressively by virtue of living our Christian life in obedience to, to Christ. Oh. Dave, talk yeah. to us a little bit about what, what, is, what is the pastoral problem, the, the, the sanctification problem mm -hmm. that Romans 6 is addressing, mm -hmm. that Murray's concerned to address, and how does that show up today? Yeah, so I, you know, when I'm hearing Scott talk about this, even my heart is just swelling with joy, honestly, just as I think about the implications of what Christ has done for us. Because the, the way in which Paul lays out the gospel for us here and our union with Christ is in such a way that we need to recognize that Christ's life, death, and resurrection not only overwhelmed the guilt of sin, but the power of sin. <clears throat> and the, the issue for us that Paul is addressing in Romans 6, he wants us to understand that we are no longer under the power of sin. Why? Because Christ has crushed it. And, and so it, this notion of what Murray calls definitive sanctification has in view what he also describes as that decisive breach with the power of sin. Right. So Murray is very clear. This is not perfectionism. This does not mean that once we're now united to Christ by faith and that spirit-wrought faith that we enjoy as that gift of God that instantly we're perfected. But what he is saying is that while we battle indwelling sin, we are not governed by it. We're not mastered by it because of the power of Christ's resurrection, death and resurrection. And so our union with Christ is with that Christ who has overwhelmed the power of sin. So with that, I think it is so incredibly relevant to all sorts of issues of the day. We've already talked about homosexuality. Yeah. And one of the issues within the whole debate in the church today about homosexuality is the, what has now been framed in recent years as side A versus side B. Side A homosexual thinkers within the church will say, hey, the Bible's wrong, and so homosexuality is not a problem. So I can be a homosexual and, be, and follow God in, in my own conscience, and, and of course, that's a clear violation of the text. What has interestingly, though, developed within more conservative circles is what's called side B, homosexuality, where I know that the practice of homosexuality is wrong, but I deal with homosexual lusts, I deal with homosexual temptations. There's so much a part of me that I identify as a homosexually tempted or same-sex attracted Christian. In chapter 6 of Romans, in, in Murray's commentary, interestingly, he actually uses the language of identity. Mm -hmm. You are no longer identified by your sin. You are identified by your Savior. And so to actually put a term that describes you, that characterizes any kind of sin, 
that I'm a gluttonous Christian, I'm a lazy Christian, I'm a, I'm a drunken Christian, I'm a same-sex attracted Christian, is actually to make a mockery of the efficacy of Christ's work on the cross. And don't let that go by lightly. When we say that we are gay Christians or same-sex attracted Christians, we are ultimately saying that Christ's work was not sufficient. And so the, the implications of definitive sanctification have direct implications. The very first command in the book of Romans is how we to think of ourselves, mm -hmm. to consider yourselves also dead unto sin, but alive to God in Christ in Romans 6. Yeah. And that notion of how I think of myself, how I identify myself, is core to an application of the gospel of grace. Christ's work has forensic implications, and it has renovative implications. And we, as Ferguson has put it so well, we receive the whole Christ. Yeah, that's a great term, a great term. It's interesting, isn't it, that in light of what we're noting that Murray has worked so helpfully on in terms of Romans, Romans is very much a living text in the 21st century. If Romans 1 is helping us think a certain way about homosexuality and relationship to God's character and purposes, Romans 6 on matters of identity, Romans 5 does this as well in a, in a way that's culturally quite interesting. On the one hand, you have uh, many in our day who are particularly enthusiastic about reparations, the idea that the sins of someone in my past or your past can be paid for or should be paid for by somebody further down the genealogical line and quite enthusiastic about that. On the other hand, there is a rabid individualism mm -hmm. where I do not want to be held accountable for anyone or anything other than what I myself, in fact, determine to be right, just, and good and, and do of my own accord. Those two can't exist side by side very long. They're both distortions of things the gospel includes in Romans chapter five, the reality that the sin of one is imputed to others mm -hmm. and the righteousness of one is imputed to others and the reality that we are responsible for our sins and who we are in terms of identity is determined by our relationship to the first or the second of the la and last Adam. Mm -hmm. um, Murray's, one of Murray's great virtues as a commentator in Romans, I think, is that you do not get a lot in his commentary about the history of Pauline interpretation. No sidebars, extensive sidebars into debated issues of his day. This is not a commentary written to resource further scholarship as such. He does as much as he can to get out of the way of the text, mm -hmm. which makes his commentary perpetually useful mm -hmm. because the issues he's dealing with are not passe. They're not limited to mid-20th century Pauline exegesis. And to that same extent, the voice of Paul in Romans gets to be heard as it is expounded by one of his servants, Murray, from generation to generation. It's a great time to see this reprinted because it will land freshly in a way that helps us appreciate how Romans speak so powerfully, almost as though it's pulled from our newspaper pages. Not that anybody uses those anymore but pulled from our news headlines, mm -hmm. and Murray helps us hear the gospel for today. Right. Well, that's a great point to end on, the abiding relevance not only of John Murray's commentary, but Paul's argument in Romans for the issues pastorally, mm -hmm. theologically, culturally that we experience today. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you each for joining us, and it's been a great conversation, hopefully useful to our listeners. 
And uh, may Murray's work get a wide distribution. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.